All right, good morning, Redemption Church. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Drew Stevenson. I'm one of the pastors here. And this morning is really a holy moment for our church family. And that's because Redemption Church is a church plant of a church plant of a church plant. And we have the privilege this morning of commissioning our first church plant. And so before, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why, that's why all the Purdue gear. So we are part of a network of churches that is part of planting churches in university communities. And so this church plant, the chapel, is going to West Lafayette, Indiana and Purdue University. And we are super excited about that, but also super sad about that. So you're kind of going into this like parents sending their kids to college Sunday. Maybe that's going to be the feel of it. Like, we're sorrowful to say goodbye to a bunch of people that we love, but we are also rejoicing to be part of Jesus' mission here on earth. So the question that I have is we sort of interrupt regularly scheduled programming in 1 Corinthians and go to the book of Acts is why plant churches? Why send our best away? Why be a part of the mission of Jesus when our joy is mingled with sorrow? And the answer that we see in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, is that we send because of Jesus. And so the first thing that we're going to see in this text is that we send because of what Jesus has done. Look with me again at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, writes this. He says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is referring to a previous book that he had written, the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is writing to his friend Theophilus in both of these books, having been a doctor and now an amateur historian who is going around and literally interviewing eyewitnesses about what Jesus has done. What's interesting is he describes the gospel of Luke as what Jesus began to do and teach which gives us a little preview of where we're going in this message because he's saying that with the Holy Spirit coming down on the church, it's a continuation of what Jesus began in the Gospel of Luke. So the first question we need to ask is, what did Jesus begin to do and teach? And we see in the Gospel of Luke, when we flip back there, the first thing that Jesus began to do is that he was born on the earth. We have the beautiful Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke described in detail, which confirms for us that Jesus was God's own son 
sent to the earth to save us. And then throughout the Gospel of Luke, what we see is evidence that this claim and this promise was true. So we have a gap between his birth and age 30 when he goes public in his ministry where very little detail is given about the life of Jesus. But we know that he grew in stature and favor with God and man. And then when his ministry goes public, we see that Jesus performed many miracles and healed people and preached about the kingdom of God. His primary message being repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then we all know there's this strange, unexpected twist in the story that all of us have gotten so used to that maybe we don't even recognize how crazy the twist is, but this Jesus who had proved himself to be the Son of God sent from heaven died on a cross. He died in our place. He died for our sin. But we also know that death could not hold him. And so Jesus, although dead for three days, was raised again to new life. And so here's what one of our elders, Terry Langland, said that struck me this week as we were praying for this Sunday. We had this holy moment of prayer on a Google Meet because it was snowing this week. And Terry's reflection in prayer as we were talking about this passage is that God knows what it's like to send his best. And that struck me as as so profound and so beautiful. What Luke was writing about in the Gospel of Luke is that God is ascending God. And God withheld nothing from us. His heart was mingled with sorrow and joy as he sent his son on this rescue mission. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And I think it's on Sundays like this that that strikes a different chord for us. When we're preparing to send our best, we recognize that God sending his best is what saved us. Now, I don't know about you, but I would never have planned the world this way. Do you ever do this thought experiment? Like, if I were God, it's, it's really not a great idea, but I think we all have a tendency to do this. I think People do this whether they're inside or outside the church. I was reminded of this not too long ago when I was at McDonald's with one of my kids on a daddy date, and I overheard these two old men talking, and one of them said to the other one, if I were president of the United States, and then went on to say what he would do, and I was thinking, I am so glad you are not president of the United States. (laughs) Crotchety old man who thinks he knows what's best. You know nothing about how to do that. And in a similar way, we look at a passage like this, and maybe we're tempted to say, 
if I were God, there is no way that I would have planned a world where I would send my son and end up suffering more than anyone else. And yet we see this mystery of the gospel in Scripture that at great cost to himself, God sent his son into the world to save us. And this morning, what we're reminded of is that God's rescue mission to the world didn't stop with the sending of Jesus. We see secondly in the text, not just what Jesus has done, but what Jesus is doing. Look with me at Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, that's Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Luke said that he wrote in the Gospel of Luke what Jesus began to do and teach. And what we see in the book of Acts is what Jesus continued to do and teach. And by the way, continues to do and teach. So the book of Acts has been named a number of different things over the years. Maybe in your Bible, it says it's the Acts of the Apostles. Or maybe it says it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But I think if Luke were to have penned the title for this book, he might have called it the Acts of Jesus. And the reason that it's the Acts of Jesus is Jesus is saying something really profound to his disciples before he leaves the earth bodily. He is saying to them and has said to them that he is not leaving them. Remember at the great end of the Great Commission, he said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And the way that Jesus planned to be with them was by his spirit. He told them long before it happened that this is how he was going to do it. In John chapter 16, verses 7 through 8, Jesus said this to his disciples, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So Jesus is saying, yes, in one sense, I'm going away. But in another sense, I am coming to you by my spirit 
to empower you to imitate the life that I just lived out before you. So here's what we want, and here's what we see that the disciples wanted. We want the kingdom of God without the suffering of the cross. And Jesus loves us too much as the church to allow us not to participate in the mission that he inaugurated. So he sends us his spirit knowing that there is no way that this would be our natural inclination to live as sent people suffering for the message of the gospel. So look, can't you see yourself in the disciples? Jesus has rose from death. He's been explaining them about the kingdom of God for 40 days, and they ask him this question. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What are they saying? Okay, you suffered, you died, you rose. Now just make everything right, right now. Like, that, let's just skip the suffering part. Let's kind of skip the Holy Spirit part. Set up the kingdom right now. John Calvin, commenting on this verse, said, there are as many errors in verse 6 as there are words. They had totally missed it. They were thinking way too small. In today's language, here's what they're saying. Let's just all stay together as one church. Let's never send out any staff. Let's never send out any leaders. Let's circle the wagons. Let's keep our best. Let's never have people starting new small groups. Let's not do a building campaign. Let's not do anything hard. Let's keep everything the way that it was and make sure that all of our friends stay in the same place. Isn't that a great idea, Jesus? Jesus is like, no way. I've got something so much bigger in mind for you. And the thing that Jesus has in mind for us and for each local church who would submit to him is he wants us to open our hands in faith to receive the Holy Spirit, not to too carefully plan everything out, but to respond to what he is doing. Jesus is continuing to go out into all the world to win people to him and to save them by his grace. And he is inviting us to participate in that work. You guys may not know this, but before COVID hit, when we were in our old office space as a staff, Jordan and I were having a conversation. This was 2020, February maybe. And Jordan was sensing this stirring from God already at that point that God wanted him to plant a church. And so I call this kind of affectionately our upper room moment. But in our office space, we were in kind of this lower area and there were no private offices. It was just one open room. 
And outside of that door, there was a staircase that led up. And it's literally the only private place in that office space. And it was February, so it was cold. So Jordan and I went up to that space. And he started sharing with me about the pull on his life to plant a church. And I didn't know how to respond at the time. And so when you don't know how to respond as a Christian, the best thing to do is just pray. And so we knelt in that spot and prayed. And I sensed that God, in his grace, was setting apart Jordan to be sent at that time. And so I actually consider it a tremendous gift that we've gotten to keep Jordan for this long. Because I think had COVID not hit, he probably would have left the following year. And so what an act of God's grace to call him in that moment but also give us the gift of having him on our staff team here for almost six years. But do you see what's true? The same Holy Spirit who was poured out on Jesus so that he would do something as crazy as going from heaven to earth to rescue us has been poured out on us so that many of us left family and comfort to come here to plant this church. And that same spirit has now been poured out on Jordan and his team so that they want to do something as crazy as move across the country to plant another church. I want this Sunday at our church to be a trajectory-setting Sunday where we all put our yes on the table and we say, I am done with my small dreams. I want to say yes. Whether you're a person who is gonna stay here and be part of a sending church who embraces this culture of sending our best, or you're a person who is going to go to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel, we are embracing not just that Jesus was sent from heaven to save us, but we are also embracing what he continues to do and teach through his spirit, and we are saying yes to whatever he has for us in the future, including this church plant to West Lafayette. Because we believe that there is something greater than our own comfort and our own security and our own kingdom. Now, why in the world would we do that? It's going to be painful. There's going to be suffering involved. There's real relationships that are going to go through tension as a result of embracing this type of vision. And the reason that we do it is not because we're masochists. The reason we do it is because of what Jesus will do. Look at Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him 
go into heaven. Guys, the desire for an earthly utopia, for the kingdom now, is not only not a bad desire, it is a godly desire. What we see in this passage is we see Jesus is having a normal conversation with his disciples. And all of a sudden, he starts levitating into the sky. Isn't the question that the angels ask him kind of funny? Why do you stand looking into the sky? I think I would have like, called a timeout at that moment. A man who was formerly dead, who was just talking to us, is levitating. And he just disappeared behind a cloud. You don't see that every day. Isn't it normal for us to want to look into the sky at that? What do you expect? To look at my feet? What are the angels saying? They're saying, Jesus is going to make all things new. Just not right now. Right now is not the time for the earthly utopia. Right now is the time for you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to take up your cross and leverage your entire life to be a witness to the resurrected Christ. Now it's time, not for us, to gather together in a holy huddle. It's time for us to spread out so that every creature on the face of this whole earth can hear the good news of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. See, we can handle the suffering and we can handle the goodbyes and we can handle the sending and the grief and the sorrow because our sorrow will last for a moment, but our joy will last forever. Jesus is coming back and he is going to gather people from every tongue and tribe and nation. And we are all going to live in one city together the new Jerusalem. And no one ever gets sent out of the new Jerusalem. There is never going to be a Sunday like this. Sending will be done. Sorrow will be gone. It will flee away. It will fly away. Jesus is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. And do you know what is going to make that day Amazing. What's going to make that day amazing is that we as followers of Christ have obeyed his great commission and hundreds and thousands of people will be there 
from Minneapolis to West Lafayette to the ends of the earth because we said yes to days like this. And we don't live for this day. We live for that day. And that vision is before our eyes. And we love Jesus and we want to obey him. And we want to bring as many people as possible with us into that heavenly kingdom. And so in light of that day, no sacrifice is too big. In light of that day, we are willing to endure grief and sorrow, even of sending our best friends away because we are all about the kingdom of God. So would you join me just embracing this moment as a continuation of the work that Jesus began to do, is doing, and will do. And I don't know what the implication for you is. Maybe you're somebody who has been stirred in some way to go with Jordan and his team to West Lafayette and you haven't made that decision yet, you haven't said yes, and maybe you're being called to go. Maybe you're being called to be a better steward of your resources. Yeah, you're called to stay here, but you're called to more fully invest in the kingdom of God and what he is doing. And you need to let go of some of your money, your material possessions, your time to devote those things to his kingdom instead of to your small kingdom. Maybe the application isn't so specific for you in this moment, but it's, it's simply to, it's like you've got a hold of your life with a white knuckle grip, and Jesus isn't showing you what he wants you to grab onto yet, but just what he wants you to let go of. And he's just saying, you've dreamed too small. You want the house and the SUV and the high paying job and I just want you to let go of the dream that you have for your life so that you can, in the future, grab a hold of something much bigger. Let's go to King Jesus together with hearts of submission. Jesus, thank you for in moments like this, giving us a passage like Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, which puts back into focus what we are on this earth for. God, we want to be submissive to you. We've experienced what it's like to live for ourselves for our own glory, for money, for our own kingdom. And there's a momentary pleasure in it, but then a lasting feeling of emptiness. And our hearts are stirred as we remember, Jesus, that you were sent from the most comfortable of places the joyful company of your Father, to the brokenness of this earth, to die a criminal's death for us. And we're reminded of the sacrifices of those early disciples 
who spread out from Jerusalem, went into all the earth and preached the gospel. And it's starting with their witnessing one person at a time that has brought the gospel into this room. It's through their writing. It's through their testimony. It's through their sacrifice. And God, I ask that this church would be a people who takes the baton from those who have gone before us and runs the race with endurance that you have set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, that we would be people who love not our own lives, but love you and are devoted to you. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, Jordan, we got something special for you, buddy. We, uh, we made a video. There's a lot of people who wanted to express their appreciation for you. So turn your attention to the screens. Here we go. And that's because we've got a big announcement to make as a church that we've been keeping a secret for a little while. And uh, that is that God is calling Jordan Adams to plant a church. And uh, this past week made a decision that God willing will be going to West Lafayette, Indiana and Purdue University. Jordan Adams, I'm so excited by the work that God is doing in your life. I've had the privilege of having an upfront seat to see that work unfold early in your days on Salt Company staff and ministry, watching you grow through the ups and the downs, I could not be more proud of you. Jordan, where do I start? Uh, an amazing five and a half years here at Salt City and Redemption Church. Thank you for your faithful passion and skill to preach the Word of God. Hey, Jordan, I just wanted to start by saying Thank you so much for discipling me over the last couple years of my life. It, it honestly is crazy to think back to six years ago when we met at Blarney's basement at the U of M. Uh, and I had no idea the type of relationship and friendship that we would have. But I'm so unbelievably grateful that God had given me you as a discipler and mentor over the last five to six years of my life. Jordan, it's hard to put into words what you mean to me, what you meant to my college experience, what you've meant to my walk with Jesus, and what you've meant to my marriage. I'm so thankful for you. Uh, I remember telling you five years ago that I thought you had the coolest job in the world. And uh, I'm just thankful for your leadership and the way you've been faithful to pastor me, say hard things to me, walk with me, uh, and show me what it looks like to delight in Jesus and what it looks like to give your life to um, something that's worth it. I was blessed to be mentored by Jordan during my time at Cell Company at the U of M. I learned so much about loving God, loving people, and leading with humility. Hi, Jordan. I just want to say thank you for all the ways that you have blessed my life in the past five and a half years of being up with the plant in Minneapolis. You have been so gracious and so kind and such a faithful leader. When I think about Jordan's ministry and uh, his impact on my life and just knowing him for the last 15 years, I think about um, John 15 where Jesus tells his disciples, how to abide, uh, and he concludes it by saying, I tell you these things that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be made complete. 
Uh, the thing I've learned from Jordan is how to enjoy walking with Jesus. It's something he's cared deeply about um, since I've first known him, and it's something that I've seen him strive to not only like pursue in his own life, in his own walk with Jesus, but to instill in other people that following Jesus is, is the best life that you could live. Hey, Jordan, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about um, what you have meant to Mal and I. You and Jess gave us a community when we really needed one in a hard season of life. You embraced us immediately and you were immediately the, the body of Christ for us um, in just a crazy time of transition. Jordan, you have exemplified for me someone who doesn't want to settle for any lesser joy than knowing Christ. And that joy rubs off on the people that you're around because you want to welcome as many people into that joy as you can. Jordan, what's up, man? Thank you for your faithfulness to what God has put on your heart in your life. Um, I met Jesus during my years in college because you were faithful and moved to Minnesota and brought the gospel to my campus. And my life is eternally changed. And I, I can't thank you enough for coming to my campus and preaching the gospel in a clear and concise way um, and giving me a message to, yeah, put all of my hope in. Hey Jordan, I was thinking about the time when we met over 12 years ago when I was a freshman at the dorms and you were just a guy who loved me really well and we had a lot of uh, good conversations together about how to follow Jesus and just discipleship in general. Oh Jordan. Uh, you have played a lot of different roles in my life. You've been a coworker, my boss, and most importantly, a friend to me. And the thing that I'll miss the most about having you not here in Minneapolis is you've been a big brother to me in the faith. And um, one way that's played out is you've been somebody who's been kind to call me out in my sin but you've always done so in love with a spirit of gentleness. Thank you, Jordan, for your friendship, for your ministry in my life. When I think about the last five and a half, almost six years, and I think about how God has changed me and shaped me and has grown me, you have been one of the key influences um, that God has used. He delights in you, Jordan. He loves your heart so much. You're the right man for this job, just the man he made you to be. And he's singing over you and your family every minute. Jordan, I don't think I would be a believer if God hadn't put you into my life. You've been a part of my story since day one as a mentor and more importantly, as a friend. Hey Jordan, man, you've impacted my life in so many different ways, but by far the greatest has been how you've brought the gospel into my life, both in word and in action. You've been like a father to me these last few years, and I want you to know that as you go, there's so many people that love you and want the best for you. And we can't wait to hear all that God has planned for you in Lafayette. Hey Jordan, I love you, man. I think I'm trying not to get emotional when I think about how you've impacted my life and my, um, my faith over these past years. But the bottom line is I am a better disciple of Jesus Christ because of your calling because of your preaching, your teaching, your friendship, your passion for the gospel. Um, that has caused my roots to grow deep over these past years. And for that, I am eternally grateful. It is hard to put into words just what you mean and how you have um, 
impacted our family and our home and our lives. Um, so when I try and think how to narrow it down, what comes to mind is uh, the attribute of, of God that I most clearly see in you, and that is his compassion. It's his compassion that draws us to step away from sin and walk closer with him and pursue him and pursue his righteousness and his holiness and his grace and his forgiveness. And that is who you are. There is an unmistakable evidence of God using your human life to reflect his divine life, both through example as a husband, as a friend, as a father. Um, but specifically as a pastor and a teacher of his word. You are doing a good work, brother. Jordan, we're so thankful for you and we're really excited to be moving to Indiana to plant a church with you. We can't wait to continue to sit under your leadership. As you guys go to West Lafayette, the verse that keeps coming to my mind is, the Lord himself goes before you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be discouraged. Uh, nor dismayed. Thank you for loving our church family so well these last several years. We love you too, and we're rooting for you. Thank you, Jordan, for everything that you've done and the man of God that you've been. Thank you so much, Jordan. You've meant so much to me. You've meant so much to this community, uh, and you will continue to. Uh, but man, we're so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. Uh, thank you, and uh, we wish you the very best, man. We're praying for you. We're behind you. We'll see you out there. Thank you, Jordan, for fixing our eyes on Jesus all these years. Thank you, Jordan. Hey, Jordan, you rock. Thanks, brother. Thank you, Jordan. 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 I'm praying for you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Jordan. Hey guys, go ahead and welcome up uh, Jordan Adams and his family. Uh, Let's go ahead and invite up just everybody who's going with Jordan and Jessamy to West Lafayette as well. Those of you who are committed, come on up. Come on up. And then I'm also gonna invite um, I'm going to go ahead and invite our elders to come up as well. So, elders of redemption, make your way up as well. And as you guys are all coming up, I, when I thought about uh, this sermon and this moment, uh, one of the reflections I've had is that Acts 1 commission from Jesus leads to Acts 20 moments. And here's what I mean by that is, in Acts chapter 20, there's this emotional scene where the Apostle Paul is leaving a church that he helped start in Ephesus. And um, this is what Paul says to the church of Ephesus and kind of, I think, the moment that, re that reflects the moment that we're in right now. It says, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, 
It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now check this out. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him. Being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken. That they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So here's how this passage is like this moment. We're all thankful, those of us who, who know Jordan super well, and, and those of you who have just had the privilege of sitting under his ministry, we're thankful, uh, Jordan, for the word that uh, God has spoken uh, through you. And so there's, there's a sadness for all of us. Where it's different from this passage is we don't travel on boats anymore. <laughs> and so we're going to get to see you again. Like, uh, we're going to be excited to, to go visit you in West Lafayette, just a short uh, car ride away, maybe a long car ride away. And uh, we're going to be excited to have you come back and to hear updates of, of what God's doing. Um, but for right now, what I would love for us to do as a church family is for where you are, for you guys just to extend your hands and, and all of us, you guys, let, let's all bunch up. We just want to put our hands on, on people and you guys extend your hands as a way of just saying, yes, we are sending you guys out just as Jesus was sent, he sent his apostles, he is sending this team to, to West Lafayette, and we are saying yes to that. And so I'm gonna start by praying, our elders are gonna pray, and then Dave Hunting is gonna close us. So let me start here. Now, Father, I am uh, thankful for Jordan's ministry, but more than that, I am thankful for him as a brother and a friend. And, um, yeah, you know, God, that this moment is both uh, really exciting uh, for me to send Jordan and this team back to my hometown of West Lafayette, but also super uh, sad. But, um, God, I, I'm thankful to be a part of this church where your spirit is working in such a way that you are calling people to the ends of the earth. And so I pray that you would give Jordan and this team courage, that you would strengthen them, that you would help them in their weakness, and that you would do it, God. That you would do it again. That your gospel would reign supreme in West Lafayette, Indiana, that a church would be established there and a salt company that would bring glory and honor to your name and that many people would be saved as a result of the sacrifice. That um, We had Jordan here. Just uh, the blessing his leadership has been on our entire church body, God. Um, and the lives uh, represented in that video, God, there are many more um, that are, are grateful for the way that uh, you've used Jordan uh, to shape them into being more like you, God. Uh, we pray for him. We, we also pray for the whole staff team called the Vocational Ministry going and uh, recognize the sacrifice um, they're making to follow your, your call, God. And we do also pray for each of the other people represented up here. Each of them have, um, have been poured into, but have been pouring into others around here too, God. We just pray that you would bless them. Uh, give them the courage to continue to follow you faithfully. And God, we pray that you would change many lives through them. God, thank you for your goodness to us and your goodness to people that we don't even know. 
Thank you for calling Jordan and team to go there. And, and I'm just reminded of how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The, the, the Purdue campus, the, uh, the West Lafayette, Lafayette community needs to hear the gospel of Christ. Um, and we thank you that uh, you're calling these folks to go there. Thank you for empowering them by your spirit. Thank you for supporting them and encouraging them. And thank you for giving us the privilege to send them, support, pray for, and financially encourage them. Um, God, for in all of these things, we pray that you're honored, you're glorified, and that your kingdom would grow and become ascending church from there as well. God, I thank you that we can pray, that we can ask you for power from heaven that isn't present in humans. And we're sending our best, and my son is among them. But unless you build the house, they'll labor in vain. So come in power, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you for this for this day, this sweet gospel moment that we get to send our best. Thank you for the example that you've set for us. Thank you for your spirit. Would you fill Jordan and Jessamy and this team with your spirit? Would they be guided? Would they follow your leadings? Lord, and would the gospel be known in West Lafayette and in Indiana and to the ends of the earth because of this step of faith? We lift all these things up in your name. Amen. <laughs>